Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota is a great Ram Nation partner that has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, Loveland, and surrounding areas since 1968. Check out SmartPath, Peterson's online shopping experience that helps you find the perfect vehicle for you, put together your own deal, and finish the purchase your way. Unlike other outdated car shopping sites, Peterson Toyota shows you all the actual inventory on the lot with current pricing, so you'll never miss out on a great deal. Simply browse available vehicles and prices, and when you find the vehicle you love, save it to your account. You can customize your payment estimates using their calculator, get the latest offers to find terms that work for you. Get an instant valuation of your trade-in vehicle, customize your new Toyota with accessories, and add protection products to safeguard your purchase. You can then use SmartPath to apply for financing right there on the spot. You share your vehicle selections with the dealer and determine how you'd like to finalize your purchase, whether in person or online. When the paperwork is done, you set a time to either pick up your vehicle or have it delivered right to you. Doesn't get much easier than that. Peterson strives to be the best in customer service and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa. He took a little bit of time off. It's been a busy time of year for Mike and I, but we wanted to hop on here, talk a little bit of Ram football. So we will be bringing in Fort Collins, Coloradoan reporter Kevin Lytle here in a second to get his impressions of spring ball. And then Mike Rowe will join me for our monthly chat with CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker to talk about the latest news in Ram athletics. So we also hope to be bringing you some interviews with some players in the coming weeks, get them on for an extended conversation, talk about their experience and impressions from the spring, their vision, and what to expect this fall. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Stay tuned for that. All right, so let's start by bringing in Kevin Lytle. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Appreciate all the coverage you've given us this spring been great catching up because i haven't had a lot of time to get up there and see for myself so um i appreciate all the work that you put in you do a great job as always i've caught you also on uh justin's podcast the dnvr podcast as well as brady's show so uh i feel like i've got a little bit of the gist but really glad to have you on personally just want to ask you first of all you saw a lot of last year's spring ball how does this one compare in norvell's year two you hear the some of the coaches throwing around the words night and day difference that kind of stuff uh what do you see do you see the same yeah I definitely think you can tell you know a lot of it's just everyone kind of knows the expectations even as simple as like how a practice goes you know you you think back to a year ago this was new for you know most of the roster obviously some of the Nevada guys kind of knew the the plan but everyone kind of knows the system the expectations the the everything of how a practice is going to run so it's a lot smoother there and then if you look at it, yeah, there, there are a lot of new pieces, a lot of you know, pieces that will still come in this summer, but kind of your main core on both offense and defense is back from last year. So there's a lot of familiarity there as well. So I think, you know, a year on, everyone uh, is just a little bit more in sync with how everything is supposed to go. And, and this is a Jay Norvell roster now, uh, whereas last year it was very much a hybrid. Obviously, a lot of the guys... Uh, you know, just today I was looking through a photo gallery, at, you know, we had from last year. A lot of those guys uh, not around anymore. So this is now a Norvell roster, you know, kind of built in the image of, you know, this staff and what they want to do. 
You know, the one thing everyone's been keeping a close eye on is the offensive line. I've heard you talk about that uh, on a couple of those other shows already. Um, sounds like you're cautiously optimistic. It's tough to declare a massive improvement this early, but it does seem like you think there's reason for Ram fans to rest a little bit easier than than we did last last fall. Yeah, definitely. You know, I keep, you know, obviously want to temper it. It's you know, almost six months until a real game. And, you know, we're not going to know for certain until, you know, Washington State and, and beyond how that unit handles things, but does look better. And I think one of the things that encourages me is we know this defensive line is good. You know, Mo Kamara, uh, Grady Kelly, uh, James Mitchell, uh, Matt Thomas, the transfer in, he looks solid. Uh, you have a lot of good pieces on that D-line. So we know they're going to be pretty good. So the fact that the offense and the offensive line have been able to kind of push back on them at times, to me, is a good sign. And it's a fascinating group. It's a bunch of guys from you know schools you may not know. Savian Henderson, your left tackle is you know Lane College, uh, uh, Drew Moss, Lamar, uh, Oliver Jervis, Monmouth. You know, so this isn't you know P five washouts, which you know I know everyone can get carried away with you know the, the sexiness of a name, but these are guys that have played a lot of college ball, and uh, you know Coach Bill Best and some of the others have talked a lot about. They're very hungry. You know, they're, tr they're trying to prove themselves at this level. So again, it, everyone's optimistic in spring. That's very normal across the country, but yeah, cautiously, I, I would say this unit is looking pretty decent right now. And honestly, one of the things that encourages me is you don't really have your running backs uh, in spring ball right now for a variety of reasons. And in scrimmages, it still seems like they're able to run the ball okay with, you know, kind of walk-ons carrying the ball, which means the line has to be doing pretty decent. So, again, very cautious optimism. I'm not sitting here saying this is going to be the best O-line in the Mountain West or anything, but it does appear it's improved. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the things you said was Coach Best noted that they were – this group was hungry. And uh, you hear a little bit of the, the naysayers talk about, oh, these guys are coming from these low-end – you know, FCS programs or whatever, uh, but they they do have that chip on their shoulder. They do have a lot of games under their belt. I guess that kind of offsets that, and you're you're seeing good progress so far from from those guys that have transferred from those smaller schools. Yeah, no, it seems solid right now, and there are more reinforcements coming. You have several JUCO guys coming in the summer, um, several freshmen that freshmen obviously it's hard to play on the O line, but some guys that look like they have you know the the physical prototype. They're probably still going to add another transfer alignment. Obviously, we know the portal is now open. Um, I would expect, you know, another signee of, you know, a veteran type, you know, whether it's a guy that's a starter, more depth, you know, we'll see. But that was one of the big things last year is I still think that first five would have been okay, but they had no depth behind it. And then they had a ton of injuries. And so yeah. that just decimated everything. So, you know, knock on wood if you're a CCU fan, but hopefully the depth is better this year. Um, you know, if injuries do happen on that O-line and, and there's still, you know, Brian Crespo is a guy that was supposed to start last year, you know, did the first game, then he got hurt. You know, he's not playing yet in spring ball, but he should come in the fall. So you do have, you know, again, what looks like, you know, not just your five, but, but some more depth. What about the defense? Um, there seems like they're poised to have one of the best defensive units we've seen in years. They were solid last year, kind of building on that. What are your expectations and what have you seen so far this spring? Yeah, they're not shy about sharing their expectations. I mean, several guys pretty unprompted have said, you know, we, we want to be the best in the Mountain West, and we think we can do that. They have, I think, eight starters back last year. Obviously, you know, Mo Kamara's 
you know, maybe the highlight Jack Howell, um, you know, another one of those kind of the only group they have to replace is those linebackers. Uh, you know, Daquan Cameron had kind of held that down for a long time, but they seem pretty comfortable with where at where they're at there. Um, this defense should be good. You have some new pieces. Uh, Ron Harge at corner. He's big physical corner um, coming in from Oregon State. He looks like he'll be good. Uh, a guy that's actually flashed some in camp is Dominic Morris. You know, not a big name. He came from Furman, which you know I don't think I've ever seen a Furman football game in my life. If I'm being really honest, I saw uh, your but, tweet about him today. Yeah, he, he was a great kid to talk to. I really enjoyed him. You know, he's a smaller corner, but he seems to have a nose for the ball. He had a, a pick six in the scrimmage Saturday, and yeah, he he was saying, yeah, we we want to you know take the ball away. Uh, he, he had me laughing. He was saying, want to give fans some to celebrate and you some to write about. So I was like, perfect. <laughs> You're th- thinking about me. I love it. Uh, but no, it, it seems like an exciting group. And again, I, um, you know, they'll probably add a little bit more depth wise there, but the defense should be really good. And if you look at Mountain West play, they, they got, you know, the Boise game, of course, was, was ugly as the Boise game tends to be, but the other seven Mountain West play, that defense was really, really good. So if they can carry that forward, um, you, you expect the offense to be better. That's a pretty decent formula to start. So, so yeah, defense has high expectations, no doubt. You know, I think now the the big thing is doing it consistently and and really living up to that label. They're they're almost putting on themselves. Have there been any uh, surprises or people that particularly have caught your eye that uh, maybe weren't on your radar? Yeah, I mean, maybe not big surprise. You know, Ron Harge has been good. Like I said, Dominic Morris is one that's that's jumped out. Uh, again, not big surprise, but Dallin Holker on the offensive side at tight end, he's really going to open things up. You know, that that middle intermediate passing game was really missing last year, and that tight end spot I think will will help that a lot. He just looks smooth. He looks like he finds, uh, you know, those little holes in defense. I think he's going to be really good. And I'm really intrigued by Vince Brown, another tight end. He's, you know, six, seven guy. I came from College of DuPage, which, you know, had a lot of success last year at a low level. Uh, he's a big, lanky guy that seems like he can go get the ball, uh, both kind of a deep seam threat and then, put, you know, a red zone threat potentially as well. So I'm pretty intrigued by him. Uh, but otherwise, you know, on offense, it's the guys you expect. Uh, Justice Ross Simmons had a really good camp. Lewis Brown's had a pretty good camp. Tory Horton's been kind of limited. You know, I think they're mostly just protecting him because he's Tory Horton. You don't need yeah. him to go get hit a ton in spring. Um, so, so, you know, those guys are going to be, you know, what you hope. Um, but those tight ends, I think, should be a really important piece of that offense. I know this is far too early to, to call this, but um... – at this point, based on what you've seen, based on what you saw last fall and last spring, what kind of a jump do you think this team is capable of making? Is it a couple win kind of jump? Is it can they they do something a little bigger in league play and maybe knock off a one of these non-conference opponents? Yeah, you know, in the in the optimism of spring, you can certainly see, you know, a big jump, you know with how CSU has struggled, you know, for years, which, you know, a lot of that, it, you know, isn't this staff's fault or problem, but, you know, we, we've all watched all those games. It's hard to convince yourself until you see the proof. I certainly think a jump, I think this team should be in bowl contention, you know, in November, uh, which would be a, a nice change. It's been a while since that's been the case, but I'm not willing to make the huge leap in, until I see some more of the proof in the pudding yet. 
Um, like say some of that's just the the historical struggles of the last few years or several years, but, but I do think improvement and, and yeah, I think, you know, you should be in November fighting for a bowl and, you know, to be honest, I think that'd be a pretty good progress for this program. You wrote a really fascinating story that uh, came out Wednesday and uh, today as we're recording this and uh, about the three players who for went is that a word for for gone for whatever sure. they, they, they they skipped their second uh semester of their senior high school season uh or uh, of school and uh so that they could enroll at csu early and that's defensive end kenny mcdowell wide receiver silas evans linebacker drew rodriguez first of all how, do, how does that even work i mean it's fat it's crazy to me that these guys are probably supposed to be going to their prom this weekend or yep. sometime around now. And, and here yep. they are in a bring ball. And, uh, but how, how do they, is it, is it as long as they have an, enough credits and meet admission standards at this point in, in high school, they can enroll early or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I felt the same. It's fascinating to me. Um, you know, they, they have their friends. Yeah. Going to senior prom, playing spring sports, you know, whatever it may be. And these guys are, you know, almost through a first semester of college. And yeah, it takes planning. You, you know, you can't just on that December 20th or whatever signing day say, oh, actually, I want to go to college, ne- you know, next month. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. You have to plan in advance. Um, and each of those guys, you know, Drew Rodriguez told me that before he was even really in the recruiting process, he was already planning that and saying, Hey, I, I want that to be an option. So he was taking summer classes. Uh, Kennedy McDowell actually transferred. Um, he was at like a private school transferred to a different school where he'd be able to, to do some of that, you know, basically get extra credits earlier so that he would have the option to go Silas Evans, same thing. He, he was taking math classes last summer to, to get here. So you have to plan it well in advance to yeah get all those credits done, make sure you have everything you know, credit wise needed to be eligible to enroll at CSU, you know, by the January semester. So it takes a lot of planning um, and not just planning. I think maturity, um, commitment, a lot of different things, um, you know, and really focus on on what your goals are as far as, you know, academics, athletics and college, because you could totally understand. And, you know, guys that say, hey, you know, I'm signed. I want to, you know, enjoy my spring semester of high school and all the things that go with that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but these guys, you know, made that choice and, and yeah, it takes uh, a lot of different things and planned well in advance. Uh, you can't just do it on a whim. So it, it's just fascinating to me that, that they do that. And um, it's certainly a good experience for them. You know, there's by no means an expectation or the guys that aren't here in spring, you know, it's not like uh, they're on the blacklist from the coaches or anything, but definitely does. I mean, you know, it gets you a lot of extra time in the weight room at a college level. It gets you these 15 practices uh, to, you know, frankly, <laughs> learn what the heck you're doing because those first, you know, seven or eight or so, they're swimming in the deep end. You know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll even admit that of like, you're pretty overwhelmed. So by the time, you know, those August practices roll around, they'll be, you know, certainly a step ahead of those guys that are coming in this summer. With a chance to play a little bit, you think those guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, Silas Evans, he said straight up he wants to play, you know, fall year one. And he thought his best chance to do that would be here early. And, you know, we'll see. He's had a a solid camp, I would say. That receiver room, it's kind of fascinating. You know, it's the air raid and everything, but still lacking depth right now. That depth is coming this summer. 
but he kind of gets out in front of that again with Tory Horton, you know, not full go. And, you know, all those guys that are coming the summer, not here yet. Silas is getting a ton of reps. So that's good for him. Uh, Drew Rodriguez, likewise, you know, the linebacker room is, is kind of small right now. There've been some injuries. Um, Drew Kulik's been out a little bit. A couple other guys have been kind of in and out. So he's getting a lot of reps. And then Kendy McDowell, this, this guy is just popping. He, Jay uh, Norvell, at least twice, pre, you know, unprompted single Kendy out as a guy that's just really catching the eye. So he may get in on, you know, on spot duty on pass rush. And I think he'll certainly play special teams. So he looks like a guy that is definitely playing a, as a true freshman. So, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is not hurting those guys. They're, they're getting a lot of good experience and a lot of reps right now in spring. Is the uh, spring game same yeah. format as last yeah, year? Yeah, so it'll be the, the ones versus the world. I haven't heard exactly what the, you know, the line will be, so to speak. The, the world will probably have, you know, roughly 21, 24, nothing lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones come back and um, I don't know everyone else. Though. I thought, I think it's kind of a fun, yeah, fun way to do it. Make, makes it pretty entertaining, you know, gets, uh, you know, some good competitive juices going uh, through the team, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it'll be that format. So it should be pretty fun. Hopefully weather kind of holds up. It seems like we keep getting kind of crappy days for the spring game. I was looking, it's uh, temperatures aren't supposed to be super warm, but at least as of now, no snow or rain per, uh, yeah. forecast. So yeah. And hopefully, you know, it's terrible wind last year. Hopefully we don't yeah. get that. Yeah. Terrible uh, wind isn't great for the air raid. When no, it does not. And then it's just miserable for fans too. So I can't stand wind, but um. All right, so then a couple more questions here, buddy. Um, you wrote, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit uh, in our conversation here, but uh, you wrote a a story this week about what we can all expect regarding the spring transfer portal, which the window opened this past Saturday, closes again on the 30th of April. Uh, a minute ago, you mentioned possibly bringing in an O-lineman, possibly bringing in someone in the secondary on defense. Um, and then obviously with the thin and young running back's core that just got hurt with Keegan Hollis hurting his knee. Avery Morrow's got a legal situation going on. It sounds like you expect the Rams to still target a running back. And we, we did learn that, that you reported that Juco running back KJ Edwards uh, will be coming in any more that you can say about other possibilities at running back. Yes. Yeah, so they they've had several guys on campus. They have um, maybe a soft commit is the best way to say it from uh, an FCS and an experienced FCS guy, but you know that's um, as we know in this day and age, those aren't locked in until they are truly locked in, and um, everyone can still take phone calls and everything. So we'll see what happens there. But one way or another, I, I fully expect um, kind of a veteran type running back to be coming in this summer. Um, you do have the two kind of highly tad freshmen, so they'll have a chance to see the field. But obviously, you can't roll in with you know just freshman running backs. Um, so yeah, we'll probably see, you know, a lot of shuffling in that running back room, obviously the Moro situation, you know, we just don't know. No one knows right now until the legal situation is resolved. So yeah, that, that room is going to look vastly different come fall than it does right now, just because of the injuries and, and freshmen incoming and transfers incoming. So that's probably the most influx position group on the team. Do you, if you had to predict, do you think the Rams will lose anybody else after spring? Yeah, I def, you know, I, I think, you know, especially the way things are now, you know, the last several years, you know, you had the limit on how many players you could sign in one class um, that's gone now. And and so to be you know real honest, there will be some tough conversations after spring ball here of, 
uh, you know, guys that maybe don't have a role and, you know, maybe move on and try and find a different place or, you know, even guys that have had a ton of injury, you know, if, if they want to keep uh, trying to, you know, be able to play football or, or if they might have to, you know, kind of retire, so to speak, that type of thing. So, yeah, I would expect there will be some some shuffling of guys, you know, probably leaving the program as well, which, you know, um, is kind of the business side of college sports right now. It's, it's tough, but um, it is the way it goes. Uh, and so, yeah, I expect some of that. And, and therefore some more signings. I, if I had to guess, I'd say CSU will probably get somewhere five, six, seven transfers um, this, you know, spring and summer. Uh, but that number is kind of soft and flexible. I know people love asking how many scholarships are available, but uh, now more than ever, that is a very flexible and fluctuating at all times number, but there'll be several. I mean, I say running back, receiver, O-line, secondary are all kind of prime candidates um, even kicking, I'm not hundred percent sure if, if the fall kicker is on campus yet or not. Um, so, so all of it is, you know, kind of in flux. Just real quick about hoops. How's the portal going for the hoops team? Um, I know that you reported the, uh, Paul Rodden, six, eight power four, Joel Scott, uh, who was spent the last four years at Black Hill state division two player of the year. He's coming in. And by the way, is that just a, is that a formula we can expect Nico and staff yeah. to continue kind of going back to is these uh, these high end Division two players, especially with what we've seen out of Chandler Jacobs and Patrick Cartier. Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, Nico has talked about that for for a variety of reasons. One, um, again, I know everyone loves like seeing a you know high major guy coming in and, and think it's the the cure of all ills. But as we saw from the school up north, um, that doesn't always go as well as you you might think. Um, and then two NIL money obviously factors in and they think there's sort of an untapped potential, you know, dipping into those lower levels. And you can see why it's worked out. Chandler Jacobs, like you said, you know, very solid player on, on a tournament team. Patrick Cartier um, obviously had a really solid season last year and is back for another. Uh, even Joe Palmer coming out from the D3 ranks, you know, I think he was a solid bench guy last year. So I think for sure CSU thinks, um, one, that high school is now under-recruited and they're going to continue to try and find guys like Tavy Jackson, Kyle Evans, Kai and Evans, um, and then, yeah, tap into, you know, that D2 kind of smaller market. Um, so it doesn't mean they won't get guys from, you know, other mid-majors or even high majors. They've had a few on campus that that could potentially be coming in, uh, but that that mark is definitely one they're going to continue to use. And Joel Scott looks like a good one. I mean, uh, he, his numbers, I know it's a different level, but those numbers are, are really, really impressive. Obviously he has pretty darn good bloodlines as well. So, so I think that seems like a pretty good signing to put in the front court with Cartier. You know, it's interesting. We're texting back and forth with Steve Ivy this week, and he made an interesting observation about Joel Scott, who has 2000 points in his career. So does Patrick Cartier. If Isaiah Stevens comes back, mm -hmm. he's got 2000 points. So You'd have three guys on the same name. You could put up and you could be a high scoring. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a great point. Another factor in kind of going to that D2 route teams that win in college basketball right now are old guys that have played a lot of games. And so, yeah, again, you do want to get your freshmen develop them, but you can't, it's, it's not like the one done era now where, where you win with a bunch of freshmen, old teams are winning. Look at San Diego state. That was a old as heck team. You know, their average age was like 29. It felt like. Um, so you bring in these guys, you know, um, Joel Scott's played like 115 career college games. 
so I think it's that's a part of that factor as well of, yeah, you might be moving up a level, but you've seen a whole lot of things once you've played 115 games and been at D2 Final Four. You, you kind of understand how things work. So that's a big factor as well. You want to you want your starting five to be pretty old. Uh, have you heard any rumblings on anybody else that could be? Yeah, I mean, they've they've had, you know, I think wing uh, wing type players, sort of a Tanjay replacement is probably now priority number one after that Scott sign. They've had, you know, a few guys, you know, I know people have seen the names out there of some of the Colorado uh, natives that have, you know, visited. Um, those are certainly on um, on the radar. There are a few other guys that have visited that um, their name hasn't been floating around Twitter. So uh, I always am intrigued by those because CSU tends to like to operate quietly. You know, that doesn't mean um you know that that nothing will come out but you know Joel Scott's name I don't think was floating around with tied to CSU until um until that came out so uh they definitely have you know pretty consistent visits and like I say a lot of these wing guys that um you know it looks that that's the main thing I, I want to encourage people patience is okay look at if you go to the verbal commits twitter page every day there's still 100 kids entering the portal every day so there's a lot of talent out there to comb through um so it's it's not as urgent to sign as it can sometimes feel when uh when you're worried and frustrated about your team hey buddy good stuff as always really good to catch up with you appreciate all your insights and uh enjoy saturday and then enjoy some time off absolutely thanks for having me joel always great to talk some ball all right buddy talk to you soon thanks man all right so that was kevin lytle really appreciate him Coming in to give us the lay of the land with CSU football and a little bit of basketball there. Uh, before we bring in Joe Parker, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. Stop in for an amazing dinner at the Cache where you can enjoy fine steaks and chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. And by the way, they now have Whiskey Wednesdays where all whiskey is 50% off, including their new Ginger and Baker Old Elk Single Barrel Whiskey. Normally $18, it's just $9 now on Wednesdays. If you're looking for a more casual dining outing, check out the cafe with a wide offering of American comfort food classics, where you can try something quick from their grab and go case in the market, which is stocked with all kinds of scratch made breakfast and lunch deliciousness. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, and a teaching kitchen, the latter of which has a ton of great events showing you how to make cocktails and special meals. Check out gingerandbaker.com calendar for a full list of events. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, now we're happy to welcome in CSU Director for Athletics, Joe Parker. Joe, thanks for being here as always. Yeah, Joel, glad to be here, happy to be here. Mike, always nice to see your smiling face. Great to see you as well. How many more weeks left in the school year? Oh, uh, man. Oh, oh, who are you talking to, me or Joe? Well, both joe mostly I, like, I have four weeks but my field day's in three weeks and that's like the end of the year so. yeah i always remember field day was always great yeah we're we're at four too so uh mid-may will be commencement graduation all those activities so getting close rounding third right do you, do you have any uh would you like to do something special after the school year's over get a little break or is it never ending uh, not, not so much. Um, I, you know, this is the time of year, you know, we still have some spring sports active, obviously, uh, golf programs, tennis, track and field, softball, but this, this, you know, this is the time of year where 
the meeting obligations kind of ramp up. Some of our, our, our national meetings. So I've got uh, lead one as a FBS football AD or FBS ADs spring meeting is Sunday through Tuesday this, this, this weekend through next Tuesday. So I'll head down to Dallas for that. Um, and then we have our Mountain West Joint Council, which is a spring meeting we do every year, first uh, two, three, four days of May. And that rolls into the Fiesta Summit. And um, yeah, so that's almost a full week out in May, but but all good. I mean, it's a nice chance to connect with, you know, longtime uh, professional friends and good relationships. And there's always intel gathered and just good chances to connect. And, you know, we talk about, you know, policy and and uh, I'm sure there'll be a ton of discussion about NIL uh, lead one this 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 year we'll have a chance for the first time uh, for most of us for me certainly to meet Charlie Baker who's the new president of the NCAA so he's slated on the agenda to speak to the group so we'll get a opportunity to hear a little bit of his vision for college athletics in this new and emerging era. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's always good and, and looking forward to those moments and, and connecting with those people. Well, I was going to ask you about this a little bit later in this conversation, but since you just brought it up, I read yesterday that the state of Colorado has introduced a new bill to amend its NIL law by allowing schools to identify, create, solicit, and facilitate NIL deals so long as they get the athlete's consent and inform the athlete within a certain amount of time. And that also charitable groups may be able to start compensating athletes for their name, image, and likenesses. We're just seeing like all these changes and how would that affect you guys? At least you'd be able to be involved, I suppose, with helping arrange opportunities. Yeah, it, it's it's a brave new world in every way. Um, and, you know, I'll, probably the first state to make a move in that direction, I think, was Oklahoma. I think Arkansas followed or may have been a little bit ahead of them. And what I've seen from uh, the proposed bill for Colorado, it, it mirrors both of those states. Um, and, I, and I think in a lot of ways it, it could could be helpful. You know, right now it's it's a largely uncontrolled, unmanaged space. Uh, we've talked a lot about John Weber and, and the folks that he's energized around the Green and Gold Guard and and love what they're doing and and you know put a lot of trust in 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 him. You know, I think anything that they're going to do is going to be done with integrity. And I think by allowing us as a department to participate on on in the in the ways that you just described. You know, I think that would be a good complement to the Green and Gold Guard, um, and and helping uh, helping John and and others that have kind of shown interest in and in kind of creating that framework. Um, and what would that mean? I don't, I, you know, it's still TBD. Uh, but we talked about it a little bit yesterday, and I'm going to meet with John on Saturday morning before the spring game, before the grit run, and. And we're thinking even, you know, we may have to budget for a, a role or at least one role um, that could be possibly, and this is just a loose kind of working title, you know, maybe a director of NIL that would help, you know, flush out some some opportunities and, and probably more than anything else, you know, provide some logistical support perhaps for some of the NIL activities that our students are involved with already and, and then try and grow that space out. My, my concern is, is that 
you know, no one ever really thinks about this, and this is always the unintended consequences. You know, we're we're still bound by you know Title Nine, and and you know if we start, you know, working in that space, and and interest, you know, so often kind of goes where the public, you know, public is going to place their interest in certain particular activities that we do, and and you know, obviously, you know, football is where we built a stadium that that seats over thirty thousand, and. And a lot of our women's programs certainly don't have that kind of public awareness and, and public interest. And, and I just worry that, you know, NIL dollars are going to go and get aggregated into certain programs. And then that, you know, does that trigger Title IX concerns down the road? And I, I, I don't know, you know, and, and, um, and that, that's going to be really hard for everyone to, to manage and understand that. But, you know, no one is talking about that. You know, there's no, there's no, discussion, you know, in, in Title IX is a federal law and what we're doing in the state of Colorado is a state law. So I think at some point, and I know a lot of people don't think this is possible, and I'm one of those people probably, that the federal government is going to have to make some decisions to sort of help us understand and manage this because the expectations are becoming almost unrealistic on, on what we can achieve and how we can do it. And um and then ultimately we need we need the support of ramps, right? So you know, if if we're gonna have robust NIL opportunities for our students, you know, it's gonna have to be people like uh you and your listeners that that make a decision and and we can live with those decisions, right? You know, we always work on donor intent. You know, you you know, it's where people's passion is and where they want to place it. And if it's in an NIL, then we just got to figure out other ways to support the more traditional programs that we've established to, to, you know, make the experience great for our students. I also read just this morning that they're oh, great. It was on Twitter, but um, there's supposedly a revised bill making its way through the Texas legislature that provides like cover for Texas universities and other, um, I don't know what else, but uh, basically giving them cover from being punished for any NIL related violations, including any that might be committed by collectives. It just feels like this thing is going off the rails. Amateurism is completely out the window. It's stuff like that. I got a, I got an email from, I don't know if you know the name Dwayne Poole. He's a longtime fan and donor. And I know he's, he wants to be involved in donating to these collectives. He's donated to our cause to bring on and, and be able to pay our, our student athlete guests. Um, as a lot of fans have done. Um, but he's kind of like me, just like, where is this gonna, where is this going? Do we even like the direction of all this? He asked if eventually can ADs, can presidents come together and push the NCAA to reconcile how the current structure of NIL is going. It's just basically becoming a pay for play model. It's not, they're not even hiding it anymore. Um, and it's, it, it's just not what the intended purpose was along with all the, the tampering stuff that's going on, did you see yeah. eventually a, a, a push by ADs, coaches, presidents to kind of get this back to where it needs to be? I, I, I would hope so, you know, but we're, we live in such a litigious society that any, any, if the NCAA, um, you know, took a, a, a real stand and tried to control it, you know, particularly anything related to market, value so to speak um you know we're just setting ourselves up for you know another lawsuit you know and and 
I don't know, Joel, you know, I mean, a part of me feels like we're going to look back in five to 10 years and think, what the heck did we just do? You know, we destroyed something that that was working pretty well for 18 to 22 year olds. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, should student athletes be considered employees? Um, you know, and, and, and I, I love our students. And when we work in an educational development model, there's a lot of opportunities to see them make mistakes and, and help them recover from those mistakes. But, but you, you know, when you get into the real world and it's an employee employer relationship, if someone's not performing and, and someone's not uh, doing meeting expectations, what typically happens, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, um, you know, clear performance review and a performance plan and eventually probably a separation from your work experience. And that that that's not what this was designed to be. You know, I mean, I, I've worked for 30 years now and I once was myself, a 17, 18 year old, you know, to 22 year old. And and I know that I wasn't a fully formed, fully prepared, you know, uh, potential team member in, a, in an employee relationship. And you know, so, I mean, we know this and we've talked about it a lot. It's just, it's just, you know, I, I, I hope we can figure out a way to, to put, put us on, you know, a path where, where we can continue to kind of blend, um, you know, a traditional experience with opportunities for students to, to find ways to compensate themselves beyond a scholarship. Because I, I also know, you know, that, that students face reality of, you know, if they don't have a lot of family support, you come on a full ride to a university like CSU and a housing market like we have, and and there can be some difficulties in, in you know, making everything work. And there's some pinch points in that last week of the month, probably until the next scholarship check shows up. Um, and and so, you know, I think that's what, you know, a, a peer NIL opportunity would be is to kind of just fill the gap and, and, and uh, you know, help someone manage some of the financial stressors, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the spirit of why this is in place, right? But you, now you're seeing the the dark side of it where there's tampering. I mean, we've, we've, there's rumblings that some of our basketball players and football players have been approached about, hey, if you come here, you're going to get paid. You know, that's, that should not be happening. That's, they, they got to get a hold of that. I don't know how you do. Uh, but that's that's really frustrating uh, to me. Well, and, that, and that that's the piece, too. And maybe I'm just, you know, I don't live in the right reality sometimes. But, you know, that that's us. That's on us. You know, I mean, and I and I get it. It's a hyper competitive space. And, you know, people are trying to keep jobs, build careers. And, you know, winning is what's measured most on the scoreboard. Um, you know, but I mean, that's that's, that's on us, you know, if we can't control ourselves, you know, then, and, and we've never been able to, right. You know, and I think the schools that have been probably really successful in NIL may have had kind of an underlying infrastructure already in place that, that they've just elevated above the line now. Right. I mean, so, you know, they, they took what's was, you know, once what was, you know, managed in a clandestine operation and now it's, it's in the light and they, they had the infrastructure prepared and ready to go already. And, and maybe that's an unfair assessment. Uh, but, but, you know, like I said, I mean, I've, I've been in this 30 years and I've watched how things have evolved and, and some people immediately had NIL ready to roll. Last question on this. Um, 
with people starting to shift their donations possibly to collectives? I mean, some people are going to have to pick and choose where they're donating to, right? How has that affected, if anything, yet donations to athletics? Uh, haven't seen any major impact yet. You know, I mean, there, there's certain things that we do that that I think are still going to find, um, you know, a lot of support. You know, I think I think people still believe in the core uh, educational piece of what we do. So I think scholarships are something that people want to continue to support. You know, facilities are, you know, been a major emphasis, but maybe will be less now. You know, unfortunately for us, we've been on kind of the front edge of that curve with, um, you know, getting the stadium done and our locker rooms and, and the facilities for our women's programs with uh, soccer, softball and the locker room project for Moby. Um, but, but yeah, and I also wonder, you know, are those things even as important as they once were, you know, I'm glad that we have them. They're, they're tools and assets that help our coaches and, and it, it, but, you know, I mean, is it just going to switch purely to an NIL model and, you know, th then there will be choices, you know, I mean, we, we have, uh, you know, tried to build some robust programs around uh, discretionary funds for our sports to kind of fill some of the gaps in our operating budgets. And a lot of that has been related to, you know, team travel, um, uh, some of our nutrition programs. So, I mean, is it, is it going to be less of an emphasis on those pieces? Um, if, if a student's, you know, earning significant NIL money, I mean, do we, do we need to, you know, provide training table and, and, you know, fueling stations? The answer is probably yes. But when you roll to a place that a kid's earning a half million dollars, which that's not what's happening here at CSU, you know, do you need to feed them three times a day, you know, or, or should that be like any one of us? I mean, should we be responsible for doing that ourselves, you know? So, right. well, let's shift our conversation over to uh, spring football. We've got the spring game Saturday and all the activities that come with it, um, including the grit run. Can you give us a little bit of a overview of what fans can expect on Saturday? Yeah, I love what's developing around, you know, our tradition of the green and gold weekend. Um, you know, Jay's been, you know, hyper invested in trying to really make this special for fans and, and make it, uh, benefit, you know, causes. Um, so of course, you know, we, you know, we, we begin with the grit run, uh, which I think is at 10 AM on Saturday. And then we have the spring game at one o'clock and they're doing a, a youth football clinic immediately after the spring game. And then they're hosting, uh, the football families, um, uh, parents of the students and their families and, and the staff for a barbecue that's being, uh, um, covered by the, the beef club. So that was kind of the standard pace that was established last year. Um, Friday night, they're doing Ram walk, you know, last, last year at the spring game was the first time ever that we did Ram walk and that's starting to build Patrick Kersey, who we've shifted him into a, a, a new role. His focus has been kind of building out Ram legends. And, and so he's been trying to encourage former players to come back and, and experience, you know, the green and gold weekend. I think we've got, you know, some good participation. We, uh, I know Amy, President Parsons is totally energized. I mean, you, you watch her on Twitter. It's like every day there's three or four significant posts of activities that she's done. And I, I bet 25% of them are athletic related. So that's been nice to see her, her commitment of time and, and uh, energy towards athletics and, 
and she circled this weekend as a, a major way for her to host people. I think she's extended and probably has confirmed 70 people to attend the game as a get her guest in the president's suite. Um, we we've done the same and I think we've got close to uh, 80 plus people that are, that are going to be, um, you know, joining us in the department suite to, and more of a cycle in and out type type thing. But, you know, we're, we're trying to really make this special for as many people as possible. And it, and it, I hope people respond. I know our weather's kind of not going to be the best uh, spring day that we've seen, but, but there's still going to be a lot of opportunity to kind of share in the camaraderie of being a Ram and, and building the community around our programs. Amy's amazing, by the way, she's, she actually committed to, she's going to, she's going to join us one of these upcoming weeks on this podcast. So she's everywhere. She's, <laughs> she's awesome. I know. I know. You know, and we, we got spring sports going, you know, so, so yesterday, so when our women's track program won the indoor mountain West championship, um, uh, next time I saw Amy, she said, Hey, do you think the team would enjoy coming to the Magnolia house? And I said, absolutely. They would enjoy coming to the Magnolia house. So last night she hosted the, the students and staff of the women's championship team at Magnolia house. They were there from four to five 30. We, we got a picture taken. I think you've probably seen that on social and it was a really wonderful opportunity for them to, to see uh, that that gorgeous uh, uh, asset on campus um, with the Magnolia House, and then also a really wonderful opportunity for for them to interact with President Parsons. But it was a nice event, and you know, felt privileged to be a part of it myself. And then we did a huge uh, career fair, um, which got a got to applaud uh, Sierra Ponte. She's our new director of Ram Life, and she's hit the ground running and picked up this is the third time that we've done this third annual spring career fair but we had almost 30 employers and and uh, a great representation from all of our teams we do it at the stadium we set up the the hall of champions the markley family hall of champions is where all the employers set up with tables and and they staff those and it gives our, our students an opportunity to kind of talk about career pathing within different organizations and we fed them some brothers barbecues, so it was a nice event for our students. And and I, I peeled off at about seven thirty, but had a great conversations with a lot of employers myself. So they're highly energized to hire Rams. The activities surrounding the spring game, I mean, they almost rival Ag Day and Homecoming. Just going back not that long ago, we were having spring games on a Tuesday or a Thursday night. Then COVID hit. What's been this change like that has? brought all these additions to the spring game and surrounding this entire weekend. Yeah, I, I think it's been Coach Norvell has been the prime mover on that. Um, Tim Cassidy and Colton Bosnos on his staff who who help with operations. I mean, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting and creating, you know, um, these opportunities. But it, it's, it's you know, we, we, we've got really everyone on the same page pushing and pulling in the same direction to try and, you know, create energy around our program. And, and, you know, we've got six Saturdays a year in the fall, but, you know, we, we, we have an opportunity in the spring to, to preview what's ahead. And, and, um, you know, I, I think Mike, it's really just been mostly, you know, Jay's willingness to kind of create his spring football schedule and provide an opportunity to land spring game on a Saturday. And then you, you build all the shoulder programming around it. 
Uh, and I hope people start to respond to it. You know, I mean, you know, it, 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 uh, I applaud what they're doing in Boulder. Right. And, and, uh, you know, they, uh, they've sold out a spring game. They've charged everyone a, a $10 fee to buy that ticket. That doesn't, we, we can't do it alone. And I, and I always talk about that. And, you know, I think there's some people that understand, um, you know, what they can do to help us. And I think others kind of just look at it as a, a chance to, you know, be critical of, of what we're trying to do here, but we need Ram nation to respond and, and the spring game weekend would be a perfect opportunity for that to happen. There's, there's been some questions on the board surrounding tomorrow or uh, Saturday. Uh, is tailgating going to be allowed? Are there going to be designated lots that they could uh, set up at? And like, is the porch and the OCR, are those going to be open during the game? Yeah, we'll have, we'll have uh, everything open during the game. Now OCR. Yeah. I think OCR is open. Um, I think that's a space where, you know, we've kind of identified where letter winners can go and, and spend some time. Uh, but, but, you know, we're going to have the, the club level will be open. Um, so you don't have to be a, a season club ticket holder to get into that space. The only place that's really controlled access on Saturday will be the, the suite level. So we've, we'll have a pass list there for, for people that have been invited to, to come to uh, the suite level. And I think we've got close to 15 of our suite holders that wanted to have their spaces opened up for game day. So but otherwise, it's it's uh, you know it, it could be an opportunity for someone that wants to kick the tires on some of the premium areas to to show up and, and experience them in, in a in kind of a game environment. Um, but back to tailgating, yes, tailgating is permitted, um, you know, and and encouraged. Uh, we'll we'll have kind of the main football lots open, uh, so so uh, two forty will be controlled. Um, that's the one that's, you know, right there on Pitkin, just west of the north side of the stadium. Uh, but otherwise, everything else, um, you know, would would be accessible. You know, I'd probably encourage people to use the Moby lot, the library lot, and to some extent, the Lori Student lot, Lori Student Center lot. But but yes, I hope people uh, take advantage of this opportunity to tailgate and experience, you know, the campus. I'll check my spam email because I haven't seen that invite yet. So uh to see if I'm on those lists in the suite, Joe. Uh, I'll let you know if it, if it hasn't arrived. It's probably in that clutter folder, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about this with us a little bit last month. I'm not sure any of us, though, could have foreseen what San Diego State did in the NCAA tournament. And with their run and, and four or three other Mountain West teams making the tournament, the Mountain West made some pretty good money in March. Um, I, I listened to you break it down with Brian Roth a week or two ago, whenever you're on with him. And uh, essentially, the the league is getting $11 million out of this run, roughly. Uh, and as you've explained before, for every game played by a Mountain West team, the conference receives approximately $1.8 million paid out over six years. Uh, so distributed amongst the 11 basketball members, there's a, le there's a million each, right? So um, yeah. is that... Is that just money that uh, is is gravy? And do you have any ideas what you might earmark that for? Is it stay in basketball plans, or or have you even thought about it yet? Joel, every dollar that we generate has probably been spent three times over <laughs> before we take possession of that dollar. I mean, it it 
you know, we're, we're really fortunate that, you know, with university support, student fees, self-generated revenues, you know, we, we can put a budget together that puts us usually in the top three or four in the conference. Um, you know, but, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, here, here's what I'm really proud of about, about who we are as a department. And, and I share this a lot when I'm talking to staff or even, even, you know, as we're, you know, um, you know, working with people that possibly are onboarding, you know, when we have positions open. Um, we've, we've got every program that that's available at any level of NCAA FBS athletics. And I think how we've been able to do it is, is we've gotten really, really good at a discipline of determining and teasing apart the difference between a need and a want. And we have always within one or two budget cycles been able to address what we deem as a true need for the department. You know, something that's gonna really enhance the student experience, provide what we believe to be a competitive advantage. And, and you know, wants are something entirely different, right? I mean, you, you can have a lot of wants, but, but you know, um, and, and what I've seen when I was at the, you know, the, you know, hire, a, you know, a, a program that's got more resources, you know, when I was at Michigan or Oklahoma or Texas, you know, um, you know, it seemed like we always got attracted to the next glittery object and we would follow it and we would fund it. And then it would become a part of the geographic, ge geological layers of budgeting and it would live forever, whether it was useful or not. And, and we've gotten really good at kind of, taking a, 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 you know, strip it down every year, think through what we need, understand what, what it's going to do to, to help our department and, and then construct our budget in that manner. Um, so, so yeah, but you know, the monies that are generated by the, the, the basketball performance of the league, um, you, you know, we, we haven't earmarked it for anything special in particular, but I know that, you know, just by virtue of kind of where we're at, what we're trying to do, it's it's been already. So with 18s getting in over the last two years and San Diego State's run, how important is this for the perception of the Mountain West in the eye of the selection committee? I, I think it's huge, you know. I mean, it, it, I, I think that's what a lot of the, you know, programs that, that are more – have more resources, you know, they kind of ride that wave. You know, I, I think a lot of times the selection committee, when it gets down to, you know, you know, what they refer to as maybe a mid-major versus, you know, that A5 power five, you know, you, you see the the six, seven, eight in those leagues, you know, sometimes getting in. But I, I think it's hard to argue now, you know, as we've kind of built out basketball performance in the Mountain West that we aren't you know, that we aren't deserving of, of, you know, look at, you know, two, three, four schools almost each and every year. It's our league is really, really hard. And I think it's getting, you know, recognition for being just that. And if you talk to, you know, a lot of the folks that, that, uh, you know, are in those basketball analyst roles, you know, they would, they would confirm and agree with that. And, and that feels good because we were very intentional, you know, three, four, five years ago about, trying to figure out how we could construct, you know, programs across the Mountain West that would that would make this happen. And, you know, you, you look at San Jose State, which has been, you know, a, a recently new entrant into the league and, and what Tim Miles did there this year. I mean, they, you know, they're, 
you know, any one of our programs could any given night beat the other. You, uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but the Bohemian Foundation's donation, I think they donated, what, a year ago or so, about $5 million towards women's sports. I heard you talked a little bit about this with the the new locker. You're going to use some of that money for the new locker room spaces for soccer, softball, volleyball. What is, what will those entail? Where are they? And, and what's the status? Like, when will those be complete? Yeah, so, so for those that have maybe been in the spaces before um, there, there's a South corridor uh, that's at the court level um, kind of embedded underneath the, the seating that runs East West. And along that corridor um, when you're going down, so if you're, if you're kind of on the East side of that corridor and you're walking West on the South side has been, had been a locker room for men's basketball or sports medicine space um, and then a locker room for women's basketball on the north side of that corridor as you moved east to west was uh, the old football locker room and then uh, locker rooms for volleyball soccer softball and a staff locker room for uh, our men's staff when and 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 we've already begun the demolition, so they've they've ripped the north side of that corridor totally out, um, took taken out a lot of the interior walls, um, you know, uh, taken the ceiling out, and they're starting kind of re to reconstruct now. But when it's when it's put back together, it'll be a student lounge that is attached to our fueling station. It will be a locker room for volleyball that will include a team lounge for volleyball. It will then include a locker room for soccer and a locker room for softball and a, a women's staff locker room. And then on the south side, where we used to have the men's basketball locker room, there'll be a locker room that we refer to as a drop locker space. And that will be for kind of our, our, our what I refer to as sort of our nomadic teams, uh, track and field, um, golf, tennis, that don't have a permanent locker space in Moby, but use a lot of the facilities and support areas in Moby, you know, the weight room and, and, uh, and uh, sports med. And then as you move down that corridor beyond sports med, there'll be another drop locker space for our women's. Uh, well, first one is actually women's programs. Next one will be men's programs. And those will function just like a, a health club, right? So they will be kind of half lockers, not permanently assigned, but if you're coming in for a workout and you've got your book bag and a change of clothes, you get a chance to, you know, drop it securely, do your workout, shower up, change and pivot on to class or, or whatever your next activity is. And so it's it's already started. Um, we've got it fully funded. It's probably going to be close to about a six and a half million dollar project in the end, and um, and it will be uh, finished by August fifteenth. So it's on a really aggressive timeline. So there'll be uh, most of May and probably a lot of June. Um, where that entire corridor is shut down, and you'll have to access the sports med area through a couple of the external doors that are on the south side of Moby. But um, it's it's going to be a great project. It's going to, you know, the, the, the feel and 
finish will will be kind of similar to the basketball locker room spaces, but it, it'll be a great refresh and and uh, really improve the the uh, student experience for those programs. It's great to see the investment across all sports. It's awesome. Uh, how has the debut of the softball complex been received and and playing under the lights and and all that? Yeah, um, it, it's been fantastic. And, it, you know, uh, team feedback has been nothing but positive. Uh, fan feedback has been nothing but positive. Um, you know, it, it just it, it, it was such a, a needed improvement and investment and, and we're proud of it and feel really good about it. Um, you know, the, the dugouts are probably are, are the best in the Mountain West Conference. Our students that have not, you know, as they travel to other places, they make the comparison now to what we have here versus what they're experiencing on the road. Um, you know, having the field lights has been such a, uh, um, you know, dramatic improvement to be able to extend, you know, uh, the day for practice and competition. So it, it's been great. I'm looking out right now at uh, soccer. And and if you're going down Shields, you can actually see some uh, some things coming out of the ground now. The light, the field lighting is in place. Uh, the grandstands are in place. Press box is not there yet. And the team building is, is uh, nearly fully enclosed and they're cladding it now in stone and um, you know, everything's on target to be done, you know, I'm not sure the exact substantial completion date, but, but probably sometime in June and, uh, they've, they're spreading topsoil now, right now for in preparation to lay sod. And we'll have two gorgeous, beautiful prescription turf fields, Mike, that, um, will be probably some of the best athletic fields in Colorado. Yeah, I just I just saw the uh, upcoming schedule from last Friday's uh, soccer banquet. So August twentieth, right? Yeah, that's the uh, debut of of the new soccer the soccer pitch. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of things to be proud of if you know if you're following Ram Athletics and and you've been a participant helping us get you know to this point and um, you know and and really have to you know, applaud everyone that does help. I mean, it's, it's been a total team effort in many ways and Bohemian did a heavy lift, but there's been other people that have stepped forward to, to, you know, kind of finish some of these projects off for us. And, you know, she'll be embarrassed by it, but I'll mention Christine Susamel. So I think both of you know who Christine is. She served CSU for 45 years and retired a couple of years ago. And, and she was always someone on staff that consistently um, gave to the department, you know, charitable giving. Um, she and Doug Max both were really extraordinary in their, in their support of the department, not only in their contributions as employees, but contributions as, um, you know, in, engaged fans. And uh, Christine made a, a nice gift to help us preserve some of the things that we wanted to, to make happen for, for the soccer softball facility. Uh, only a couple more left for me, shifting gears just a little bit, not a whole lot new with conference realignment and the PAC 12 and all that. But I did see that Mountain West commissioner, Gloria Neverez mentioned that the Mountain West board has discussed contingencies should San Diego state leave as it seems to be imminent. Um, do you have any insights on what those contingencies could be? Uh, 
that you can share? Um, yeah, you know, I get, I, I, yeah, I think I'd feel comfortable sharing. Um, you know, they, they've, 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 um, you know, there's been a full assessment made to kind of evaluate multiple scenarios. You know, one, one member leaves, you know, what would we do? You know, two plus members leave, what would we do? Um, you know, who would be the identified expansion uh, or, or, you know, um, schools that would, you know, backfill spaces or, or even allow us to expand? Um, you know, we're, we're in the Western United States. Um, you know, the, the AAC is pretty locked down right now themselves. Uh, but I think, I think if, if one school were to leave, I'm not sure that we would do anything in the near term. Um, you know, that would put us at, at 11 members in football and, um, you know, 10 members in basketball and, you know, you can construct, you know, competitive schedules, uh, with, with that size of a conference. And, you know, what we've all recognized, and, and this is something that I'm talking a lot about and, and want our fans to really understand, you know, the pathway to the CFP is clearer now than it's ever been. And, and, uh, you know, so long as we, you know, in the Mountain West, you know, have a champion that's that's uh, the sixth highest ranked champion in all of FBS football, then there's a Mountain West school that's going to participate. And it's it's our absolute laser focus goal to be that school. And um, I really hope people start to respond to that and understand that and, and support us in that effort, um, because you know, we're measured every day by every metric that's measurable and fan engagement is a huge part of that. And, and I can't say it enough, you know, um, you know, if there's people that are on the fence thinking about getting engaged, now's the time to get engaged. It's not a time to sit on the fence. So uh, we really need people to start responding and, and feeling, you know, um, enthusiastic about that decision. Speaking of engagement, how are football ticket renewals going? Uh, renewals are strong, you know, I mean, you know, our, our core people are phenomenal and they are exactly what you would hope them to be. So, you know, we'll, we'll have, you know, it's not completed yet, you know, we're beyond our, our deadlines, but there are always people that we're trying to, you know, chase down that haven't responded to, you know, the first opportunities to renew tickets, but we'll see similar renewal percentages as we have in the past, you know, so I think we'll be in the mid to high 80%, um, but, you know, we, we, we just need to make headway with people that get back on board. You know, we opened that stadium with 15,000, almost 15,500 tickets uh, linked to season ticket holders. And we have not uh, been close to that, you know, really since that, that first season. You know, 18 was OK. Uh, 19 was tough. 20 we didn't have. And, and last year, you know, we rebounded pretty significantly. Um, um, and, and we, you know, got, got, you know, we just got to keep building on it. You know, we can't, we can't retreat and we got to add. And I'll tell you, I'm happy, I'm happy with our football coach. Our coach is an outstanding leader of young men who's building a foundation for sustained success. And I'm proud of who he is and what he does. And, um, you know, I hope people understand how good we have it. Good things are going to happen. He, he's going to get it turned around. I have full faith. I just wanted to follow up on one more question about the 
possible candidates for um, the Mountain West? Should we ever, you know, it sounds like we'd stand pat at 11. Um, but is that because maybe there's not a lot of great other candidates in the region out there? Uh, I know you've talked about trying to align potentially with more Eastern-based teams, perhaps Texas, getting into that central time zone. Have you have you guys looked at that? Is there an appetite at all for looking at a top brand at the FCS level at all? That's more in the footprint, or is that have you got to that point yet? Um, I I'd say all of the above, Joel. But you know, I, I don't want to talk specifics. I think that that'd be unfair to you know everyone because you know I mean we we've done research and analysis, but you know at this point it's all speculation and and I and I think you know, there's still, you know, as we've seen, you know, I think there's a strong desire for the PAC 12 teams to remain engaged as, as a group. And, um, but there's also, you know, um, maybe almost an equal amount of pressure to see further consolidation and to, you know, the, you know, within the, you know, what we traditionally call the A5 space. And, and anytime any of those things happen, I think there's, there's then, um, you know, opportunity created for all of us. And, and, you know, we still have aspirations and we still, we still uh, want to be the best version of CSU that we possibly can be. And, um, and we need partners in that effort. Mike, you got anything else? No, I'm good. He answered right. everything on his own, so Joe's the man. All right, guys. Well, always appreciate time with you. It's always time well spent, and I, I hope uh, are, you're both coming on Saturday, right? I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, Joe, Joe, I made, I made. I'm going to be out of town. I made these plans before the spring schedule came out. I'm so bummed about it. <laughs> so I'm living vicariously through everybody else and all the the tweets. Well, and, but you've called five friends to encourage them to be oh, there. I know lots of buddies that are going and they're rubbing it in. So, so we're, we're losing one, but we're gaining five brand new people yes. who have never set foot in Canvas Stadium. Because I know you know people just like that. There's people out there. There are, there are some of those, Joe. Those yeah. are tough cookies to, to get to do something. But, um, yeah, you know what? This fall is going to be exciting as well. Can't wait for that. I'm not missing any games this fall. So, yeah. No, it's going to be great. You know, you know, we got to point towards this Washington State game. You know, I, you know, it's it's not often that we get, you know, you know, Pac-12 team and SEC, you know, and we've had that. So, I mean, we first, uh, you know, it's going to be a beautiful weekend, I'm sure. Let's let's point to selling it out and get our team a victory and then we get a bye week and then we play CU. Right. So be a fun stretch. Pretty good setup. So let's yeah, Nashville. Uh, Nashville shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Middle Tennessee State, and that, yep. you know that's one thing people don't realize is that it's you know it's just it's basically kind of a, a satellite community right off from Nashville, which is a pretty attractive city to be, be in. So, yep, awesome. Well, guys, thank yep. you. Let's go Rams. Thanks, Joe. Go Rams. Great stuff today. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Peterson Toyota and Ginger and Baker. Please support them as they make RamNation.com go. Enjoy the festivities on Saturday and have a great weekend. Go Rams.